This, this is God Stories Radio Podcast. God Stories Radio Podcast. With Fritz, Mike, and Tina. You're listening to WGSR, bringing hope and comfort to the world 24 hours a day. God Stories Radio. This is session 169. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. What's going on, guys? Wow, it's been a busy week. It has, hasn't it? It really but has. But it's Thursday. It's Thursday, Thursday night. <laughs> One of my favorite nights of the week, obviously. <laughs> it is. For very obvious reasons. <clears throat> yes, indeed it is. It has arrived. Hey, man, we're going to have a good time tonight. Yes, we are. I, I was just thinking, know we are. I was thinking God on the way over here for letting us be stewards and thank you for Thursday night and and all the other good stuff. Yeah, it's it's such a blessing. Keeps getting mo better. It does. It does. It really really does. Just, I mean, we're booked through mid September now. I know. They just keep coming. They really do. It's pretty exciting. You I know? know. I want to welcome everybody on Mixler tonight. We've got a bunch of people on Mixler on tonight. I want to welcome everybody uh, listening via YouTube. And uh, feel free to chat with us um, on Mixler or YouTube if you have questions. And Can't they see our faces for radio on YouTube? They can. They can see our faces <laughs> for radio on YouTube. <laughs> you betcha. That's awesome. Well, man, we got some shout outs, Mikey. Who's got those? We do. We do. We do. All right. Uh, first one, I think we uh, all know this guy. The first one is Matt O'Keefe. Hey, Hi, Matt. I know Matt Aris. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for liking Thank us. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. The next one is uh, Therese Taponi. Yeah, it's my sister. Yeah. It is. Okay. Yeah, no, it is I thought sister. I knew that name. Yeah. All right. Yes. Thank you, sis. All right. Michelle Patronus. Michelle, thank, thank you. you Michelle. Thank that. you, Michelle. Uh, Charla Sterling. Charlotte Sterling, we appreciate that. What a beautiful name. Yeah, a gorgeous name. Yeah. Thank you for liking us on Facebook. Uh, Danny Fersman. Fersman. Danny, thank you. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate the like. And our guest from a couple weeks ago, Barbara Beck. Oh, Barbara. Barbara. Yay. Good old Barbara from TV45. We yes. love her. Oh, we do. Yes, we do. Thank you so much, Barbara, for, for liking us and supporting us. And you're just... An immense blessing to all of us. Yes. And anybody else out there that has not liked us yet on Facebook, wherever you are, if you can, please do so. Like us on Facebook. Because we love the shout outs, man. That's kind of one of my favorite times of the show is just to get to mention people's names and and everything. And hopefully we'll get some new regions and countries going on I've, here. We're kind I've of been looking at that. Yeah, stuck at 92 there. Yeah, that we, we are. know of anyway. We are, yeah. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's all in God's plan and his timing exactly when he wants us to know we'll know you bet 
You bet. Uh-huh. Who knows what's going to happen when we uh, hit the Good Life 45. Uh, I can't wait, Mikey. I am uh, just a hair standing up on my arms <laughs> anytime I think about it. Uh, and how many times over the past five years have we said something about our faces for radio and he goes and puts us on TV? <laughs> I know uh, you, you You just never say the N-word, never. Uh-huh. You know, because uh, uh, he's going to make a way. Oh, he will. You better believe it. He's up there laughing at us right now. He's like, oh, you guys, you guys go ahead and laugh. Uh-huh. I got a little something for you. And I've been, I've been asking him re- recently to, at, to, to let us see what that looks like, what, where he's taking us and God Stories Radio. Because I don't know that we have, a, have a, an idea, so I'm asking him to let us see what that looks like. Amen to that, Mikey. You know, I always remember, too, that it's so important for people to share what God Stories Radio is with others because we're a ministry first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And that ministry um, is, it's a gift, you know, for people to just tune in and listen at any time. And, you know, just the encouragement, even if they just listen to one podcast, it could be a podcast that really changes their life. Or saves their life. Or saves their life. Absolutely. So, you know, don't forget to tell your friends about us and your loved ones. Um, Encourage them to listen because you never know what type of encouragement or, um, blessing you might uh, seed for them. Amen. And speaking of encouragement and blessing, tell us a little bit about our guest tonight, babe. I'd be happy to. Well, we have a very special lady with us tonight. Uh, she's from the St. Louis area and she is a published author. She's written a book called Little Girl Crying and her name is Belinda Rose. So I would like to introduce to you Miss Belinda Rose. Hey, Belinda, welcome to the show. Welcome, Belinda. Mike, I appreciate you you inviting me on the podcast and this opportunity to share all the great things God's done in my life. Absolutely. We can't wait. We've we've been looking forward to this day for a while and and, uh, Tina's been glued in your book for the last few days. Oh, that's good. Yeah, she said it was actually very hard to put down, so... Yeah, I've heard I've heard that, or I've heard it. It's really intense, and uh, because there's there's quite a bit of uh, darkness and suffering at the beginning, and so some people can't seem to handle that. But um, other than that, yeah, I've heard other people say that um, they couldn't put it down, and but you got to get through the dark stuff to get to all the glory. So. Amen to that. That's right. That's what our show is all about. That's right. That two by four <laughs> upside the head. Yep. Kicking the stool out from under you, whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever gets you there. Well, yep. Well, what inspired you to write the book, Belinda? What inspired me? Um, after the healing, um, that healing, that encounter I had with God, was I didn't really realize what that was for a really long time, and then I and then it occurred to me that that was the Holy Spirit that had fell on me that night. Because what happened after that healing was that I was just on fire for God, mm-hmm. and I knew it was I've always known I was going to write a book about my experiences with the eating disorder. But the thing is, it wasn't a story until the healing. This wasn't supposed to be a story about my misery and my woes. This was supposed to be a story about God's glory right. and the things that he did in my life and, and to give it all to him. 
and that healing hadn't happened yet. So after it happened, I realized in that moment that it's time. Now the story has to be told. When did you start writing the book, Melinda? Oh, uh, probably about, I want to say 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. Okay. So it's take- it took about two years to write the book. Uh-huh. And, you know, what have you noticed in your life that's changed since you've written the book? Well, I noticed all the time how the Lord opens all these doors. Um, anything that has to do with this this, this, my entire ministry, but especially the book or the CD that I'm working on, it just seems as though the right people show up. Um, when I write, the right words come. It's just all like this magical thing where, you know, you're on the path and, and he's just opening the doors as you go. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a pretty amazing experience when you really feel that in your life. Sometimes we like to jokingly call that coincidence here, yeah. but we all know yeah. that it's no coincidence That's not at all. Coincidence. Uh-huh. Dink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, those are divine links, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, do you mind telling us a little bit about the book and introducing us a little bit to the book, the listeners to the book? Um, well, the book is basically. Um, covers it covers most of my life from about the age of five it covers pretty much 50 years give or take a year um because my story actually begins way back when i was five years old so um throughout the book as i tell my story because i i battled anorexia nervosa and depression for 38 years until i was blessed by that miracle that encounter with God in prayer. And what that, what that experience was, was his love. It was like I was swept up in his love. You know how you, you hear people talk about they've had a near-death experience? Mm-hmm. And they have, they're, they're, in the, they're in the light. And the light is full of love. And they don't want to come back because it just feels so good. Mm-hmm. Well, I had kind of the same experience, only I didn't die. Mm-hmm. And that experience healed me. About what so, point in your life was that experience? It happened about, I'd say, roughly eight to nine years ago. Something so, like that. Okay. So relatively recent. Fairly recent, yes. Yeah. I mean, I've spent, I spent most of my life uh, battling this illness, yeah. And she yeah. she mentioned thirty eight years, and wasn't it the guy at the pool of Shalom that Jesus healed that was there for thirty eight years waiting for the water to be stirred? Yes, it was. Wow. Yes, it was. Yeah. Well, I certainly never expected it. That's for sure. You know, I really never expected that that healing would ever come about. What did you? But, um, what did you sort but, of expect in your life? I had been ill for so long that um, I really didn't. I really didn't foresee that I was ever going to be rid of the eating disorder. I really didn't. I really didn't see it in my life. So I guess I just figured I was going to have more of the same. So God's really transformed so I, that. Yeah. So um, 
can I give you then, um, can I tell you more about my story and what happened to me? Please. Okay. Well, my testimony tonight isn't just about a miracle, as extraordinary as that moment was, but it's also about all the points of grace along the way that affirm the Lord's presence with us in our deepest suffering. You know, often when he seems to be so silent, it's about forgiveness of those that hurt us the deepest, even the people that actually abuse us, and how our loving Father, by his grace, brings us to that state of forgiveness and compassion so we can be set free. So as I said before, my testimony covers a span of 50 years, give or take a year or two. So it's kind of impossible to tell it all in great detail, but I grew up in a very dysfunctional and abusive home where there wasn't much love. Not once did Dad ever give us hugs or tell us he loved us. And there were four of us, Mom, Dad, myself, and my brother, who was an older brother. Dad was an atheist, and Mom was Catholic. And I think Dad was an atheist because my dad was a World War II veteran. He'd seen a lot, and it changed him. It fundamentally changed who he was. Anyway, um, as I said, Mom was a Catholic, but we weren't raised and strict in the Catholic faith by any stretch of the imagination. Dad had a volatile temper, which I pretty much think to this day is PTSD. We didn't know it then. And he would fly into a rage for seemingly mundane things. That rage he had was almost always taken out on us. Often the target was me. If Dad wasn't screaming at you for something, then he was whipping you. And Dad gave the absolute most ferocious whippings with tree switches, ping pong paddles, and most often his belt. It was like when he was whipping you, he was gone. He was just in his rage. He didn't even know what he was doing. So I grew up knowing nothing but fear. Often after one of these whippings, I'd run to my room and hide beneath my bed to lick my wounds. And it was there beneath that bed that my lifelong relationship with Jesus began. As a child, I loved stories about the saints and I collected holy cards. I had a collection of prayer cards I kept in a shoebox beneath my bed. And that place, space beneath my bed became a hiding place for me away from the frightening surroundings of mine. Here I'd often go to my box of holy cards for solace. I had one of the Good Shepherd and one of the Sacred Heart, and I found so much comfort in Jesus' face. It was just, it just like a call to me. It was so gentle and so kind. So always a kid with a huge imagination, those images on those holy cards gave me an idea to create a fantasy land in my mind where I could play with Jesus and what would be our special place. I created this hillside with this gigantic old oak tree and underneath that oak tree was this great big old wooden swing, and I'd run up that hill, and Jesus would wait for me, and I'd hop on that swing, and he'd, he'd swing me high in the air, and I just had fun with him. I felt safe here. I was self-loved in a space with him. And this is how Jesus became my imaginary friend as a child. I was about five when this began. The bullying, I, I endured a lot of bullying growing up. It began in grade school, actually the second grade, and I continued all the way through high school. And while I was bullied a lot at school, it wasn't only at school. We had a neighbor right down the street from us that was a horrible bully as well. 
he was a very mean old man. And, uh, but the bullying actually reached its peak in the seventh grade after humiliating event that occurred at school that involved a birthmark that I still have to this day. It was at this point when the kids began calling me freak at school every day that the eating disorder began. It was the 70s, and eating disorders weren't yet a household word as they are now. So I really had no way of knowing the rabbit hole I was falling into. But because of the intense bullying and the continued abuse at home, I could no longer cope with my emotional pain. I just really had nowhere to go with it. My mom, while she could be warm and loving, it just seemed, always seemed as though I spent more time dealing with her emotions and her pain than she did with mine. So many times I felt like I needed her the most. She just emotionally abandoned me. So I began more and more to turn my pain inward. And somehow I got this idea that I was fat. I don't know. I just got this idea I was fat, and that morphed into I felt fat. At nearly five foot seven and 112 pounds in reality, I wasn't fat. But what doctors now understand as the voice of the eating disorder was beginning to take control of my thoughts. I began to restrict food, and daily the dieting became more and more stringent. I controlled all my food, eating only tiny portions. I began studying calorie counts and had my daily intake down to a science with two to 300 calories a day as my end goal. Mm. Yeah, I began extreme forms of exercising to exhaustion. So I learned from that voice how to lie and manipulate to maintain control. And the more weight I lost, the more control I felt. My weight fell to like 99 pounds pretty quickly. No one at home really noticed. No one really seemed to care. And it was pretty okay with me. I was finding a way to control my pain in my life. Or so I thought. The voice kept getting louder and the eating disorder more entrenched. And so I began to isolate myself more and more. This went on all through junior and high school years. And then another life of altering altering event occurred when my grandma passed away, whose death I took especially hard. Wanting to feel close to her after death, I decided I was going to join her church just to be close to the people that she'd spent so much time with. Somehow I thought in my grief that doing that would make her happy. And it was there that I met a young man that I began to date. I was 18 years old by now. We dated for a while. And then one night, he just turned on me, like night and day, and he attacked and raped me. And this is how I was to lose my virginity. I came home sobbing. It was late. Mom heard me. She got up. She asked what was wrong, and I tried to tell her between sobs. She didn't console me, but she said only not to speak about it. Don't tell Dad. But in our home... It was keep the peace at any, whatever cost it was. So just don't tell that. I was beyond devastated, both by the rape and her response to it. And with no one to turn to, the eating disorder took a much more deadly and sinister turn. I began using diet pills, laxatives, and purging everything, even water. Mm. The bulimic side of the illness had taken form. And I guess I'll mention here that while... I was probably between 12 and 13 when the eating disorder began. My parents didn't notice or didn't take me to a doctor or a therapist until I landed in the hospital 
from a severe kidney infection from it in my junior year of high school. So I've been already been sick roughly six years. It was at that point I began seeing a psychologist that hadn't a clue what was wrong with me. Then one day I saw an article in a magazine about these teen girls that had the same symptoms as me, and they called this strange new illness anorexia nervosa. I took that magazine to my psychologist that week, slapped it down on his desk and said, this is what I have. And he conferred with his, another doctor in the office, and a week later the diagnosis was confirmed. With the addition of dietals, laxatives, and extreme purging, the eating disorders soon landed me in the emergency room near death's door and weighing 76 pounds. Mm. Now I needed a psychiatrist, I was told, and thus began the long span of hospitalizations. Within 18 months, I'd been hospitalized 13 times. Several of those hospitalizations were spent in mental wards after I recovered sufficiently medically to be transferred. They sent me to mental wards because there weren't eating disorder units yet. This was a really dark time in my life because I felt so lost alone and abandoned in these places. I was left to psychiatrists that understood little about eating disorders and so really had no idea how to treat one. I was witness to the suffering of the other patients, some who went through unimaginable pain, such as the devastating effects of electroshock treatment. And I didn't do well at all on their psychotropic drugs. The voice by this time had become my identity. It pretty much controlled every aspect of my life. It was strong and all-powerful. That voice liked to play games with the doctors because there was no way it was giving up control. So I just kept falling deeper and deeper into the illness. I didn't speak to them about the abuse at home, the bullying at school, or the rape. I had long repressed those things. I'd been programmed from an early age by my mom to keep my mouth shut about everything. And like a good girl, I obeyed. Over the course of quite a few years, I saw an array of psychiatrists, psychoanalysts, social workers, and even a priest seeking help. No one seemed to be able to help me. The doctors told my parents they didn't see much hope in my ever overcoming the eating disorder, and that I pretty much likely die from it. But you know what they say, God had other plans. I guess it's important to know, though, that throughout all of this, that love and devotion I had for Jesus when I was five, it had never died. And it was this love that I held on to. I loved him dearly. Although I was so sick that I rarely attended church, I still prayed and I sought him in prayer daily. What I couldn't understand was, why was he so silent? Why would he let me suffer so much and for so long when I'd always loved him so much? So now I can fast forward now to about the age of 21. I gained a little weight, but the eating disorder was still very much entrenched. I wasn't quite as emaciated as I'd been, and desperately trying to put my life together, I got a job. Through a friend at work, I met a young Christian man that would become my husband. I thought he was my knight in shining armor, that he'd rescue me from my home, my pain, my illness. Finally, I thought I found the one thing that I'd never had at home, love. We were married about a year and a half after we met. But to make a long story short, two years into the marriage, I began to lose enormous amounts of weight again. In fact, I went back down to like 
76 pounds again, 75, somewhere in there. Mm. Now he wasn't sure if he loved me anymore. To the little girl within that felt so unlovable, this was more than I could handle. Our relationship began to crumble. I retreated into the eating disorder with my pain, and he into drugs and alcohol. That emotional connection I thought I had with him dissolved. Except for Jesus, I was alone again with my pain. We didn't divorce. We stayed together miserable. We worked. He worked, stayed out all night, and lied about where he'd been when he came home. As lonely as I was, this was my life. Several years into the marriage, as I neared 30, I suddenly had this burning desire to have a baby. It sounded like the craziest idea I'd ever come up with. I'd always thought having a pregnant belly would be more than I, the anorexic, could stand. And besides that, the doctor said with the eating disorder, it would be impossible. And if those were enough reasons to keep me from wanting children, there was the state of my marriage and my health, neither of which seemed good enough to begin a family. Yet here I found myself with three little boys within the span of three years. They were all preemies and miracle babies at that, and I couldn't have loved or adored them more. In fact, when I had the last one, I was 99 pounds at the time of his birth. Mm. Yeah. Being a mom was kind of just my thing. I loved it. But my thing wasn't my husband's. He struggled with being responsible and a father to three kids. So again, I felt alone in parenting them. I still struggled with the eating disorder. That hadn't changed. And the birth of these three babies so close together had taken an incredible toll on me physically and mentally. Emotionally, I began struggling with deep depression. My OBGYN thought it postpartum depression. Now in my mid-30s, the depression had got, got so bad at one point that I announced to my husband he'd have to care for the kids because I was ending my life. To which his stone-cold reply was, so do it. I found myself on the bathroom floor sobbing with a knife to my wrist and cursing God for abandoning me. I begged him to show himself, to help me, to have mercy on me. And he didn't disappoint in that moment. A string of events occurred simultaneously. My five-year-old began rapping on the bathroom door, calling me, Mommy, Mommy. The baby began crying in the playpen that was near the bathroom door. And a voice, a clear, distinct voice, whispered in my ear, They need you, Belinda. Go to them. They love mm. you. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I get emotional every time I remember that. I realized in that moment that I couldn't end my life. These boys needed me. I might be a pitiful hot mess, but I was all they had. I realized later the voice whispering in my ear was an angel. Somehow I had to find the strength and the courage to live for these babies, to give them all the love and affection that I'd never received as a child. I had to allow them to become my sole purpose in life, at least for now. So God, by his amazing grace, found a way to give me that strength and courage I so needed through my dreams. I began to dream of being in the presence of angels. And these dreams actually felt more like visitations than dreams. And they happened night after night for nearly a month. Mm. 
But somehow from them, I was beginning to find strength and I was getting stronger and I was more able to cope with life. They were really lifting me up. It was about this time my prayer life also took a new turn. I began to read and meditate on spiritual books and scripture. Over time, that prayer deepened. As I fell deeper into the silence with my focus on the Lord, I began to have a deeper relationship with him and experience a greater intimacy with him. I'd always loved Jesus, but here I was falling even more deeply in love with him. So much so that my greatest desire in life soon became serving him in some capacity. So I began praying that dangerous prayer, use me, Mm. make me, make me your disciple. My kids in my prayer life were my life. Yes, I still have eating disorder. I struggled mightily with it. The voice hounded me night and day. But during the time I spent in this meditative prayer with Jesus, that voice was silent. I had found my reprieve which only drew me to that prayer all the more. Life went on pretty much the same. I homeschooled my kids. I took care of my home. I spent lots of quiet time with the Lord. And my marriage, well, it wasn't much of a marriage. But this was life. And all those things that had happened all those years ago, the abuse at home, the horrendous and humiliating bullying at school, and the vicious rape, they still stayed buried deep inside. I was probably the loneliest person on the planet, I thought. I ached to be loved by someone because loved was the one thing that I'd never really been. And I desperately needed to feel special to someone. Years went by and not much changed except my kids were growing up and my prayer life was deeper than ever. After 15 years, after it was about 15 years after I began the scripture reading and the meditation, one night, I was deep in prayer and silence when I had an encounter with God that would change my life forever. As I mentioned earlier, for a long time, I was so stunned and taken back by this experience, because, and I, didn't, I just didn't understand what happened. But now as I look back, I realized the Holy Spirit had followed up on me in that incredible divine moment. And I do go into great detail about this encounter in my memoir, Little Girl Crying, but what this amazing experience did was to still the voice of the eating disorder. Mm. It shut it down. It just totally shut it down. And I was, without that voice, I was free of the eating disorder. Now I was on fire for the Lord. I had experienced his love firsthand in a real and tangible way. And it was hands down the most extraordinary experience of my life. I wanted, I literally wanted to shout from rooftops to the world of God's love that he was real, that he still healed, that it didn't, but it just didn't end there. I found myself writing poetry daily. The words just poured through me. And it's, this was deeply spiritual poetry about God, heaven, mercy, forgiveness. I had been a writer since the age of six. I've always loved books and writing. I even wrote poetry in junior high that won awards. I'd written children's stories for my kids. But all that seemed like a distant memory because I hadn't written in years. And now I simply just couldn't stop. So it wasn't long after that that I began my prayer ministry on Facebook. I wrote prayers and posted them to artwork that I created from photographs. I offered intercessory prayer there as well, as I still do. My following began to grow. I was beginning to see that the prayer I prayed for so long for God to use me was finally being answered. Mm-hmm. 
sometime after that, the memoir began, which was another actually pretty incredible experience. Every day I'd pray before I wrote that book, asking the Holy Spirit to guide those words. Let this be for your glory. Inspire me. You come through. And I have to say that I've never felt his presence with me other than the encounter I had more, nor have I ever felt more peace. Writing that book was the most beautiful and serene time of my entire life. The poetic verses, the prayers, the chapters, the art, everything I needed, it just came together. It flowed. It took roughly two years to write it and several more to get it to publication. But on that journey, I found that everyone and everything I needed for the project came into my life effortlessly. You know, there's some really important aspects of my story that I really don't have time to touch on, but I do want to mention the grace-filled journey of forgiveness the Lord led me on with my dad. Because I know so many people struggle with forgiveness, especially people that have dealt with abuse. After dad passed away in 1997, through a series of what could only be heavenly ordained events, not the least of which was a dream visitation from my dad three days after he died. I found myself not only completely forgiving him, but moving to a place of compassion for him. I began to understand who he was and why he was as he was. And that forgiveness would have never been possible without God's grace guiding. I know that. So in the end, it really was that love I'd had for Jesus from five years old that has been one of the greatest blessings of my life because it was that love alone that kept me holding on to him and would be my one saving grace leading me to keep seeking his face in prayer where I eventually had the spiritual encounter and the healing miracle. That divine encounter also resurrected my life in unimaginable ways as my ministry just began to take form. And I'm also finishing up a music CD, which I never thought I'd do. I'm writing lyrics, and I found this, uh, it's praise and devotion. A lot of it fits in with the poetry from the book and stories from the book. And I found this great group of... um, Musicians, and it's interesting, here's here's another interesting fact. Every musician that's touched this, they wind up being Christians. Hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just the scariest thing sometimes because the way people are just drawn, it's just kind of amazing. But in a nutshell, the essence of my ministry is prayer and lifting up and inspiring the suffering through my words, through music, and I want to lead people through those words and that music, all those hurting souls, into Jesus' loving arms where they can find their comfort and their healing. But I have to say that um, what I'm doing just seems to be growing and expanding in new ways all the time. And I'm pretty much open to whatever, wherever the Lord wants to send me, whatever he wants me to do. Um, Sharing my entire life story through my memoir is about so many things, but it's about telling people going through great trials and deep pain that might seem endless. Don't you ever, ever give up. It's about helping people find the blessings in their suffering. Mm-hmm. At the Yeah, at the end of Little Girl Crying, I wrote extensively about the blessings in my own suffering because suffering doesn't have to be meaningless. It does have great meaning in his divine plan for us. He can use that suffering for our good. 
I also hope to expose the voice of the eating disorder as the demon I believe it to be. Yeah, I went there. In many ways, I think that voice is a demon. And the day the Lord healed me, he stilled that voice and he cast that demon out. But doctors and therapists need to better understand the voice of an eating disorder and how entrenched it can become in the mind and the thoughts of those with eating disorders, such as it was in my life. Family members, they need to understand what their loved ones with eating disorders are going through so that they too might better understand and have more compassion. I didn't have the blessing of a family to understand, support, or give compassion throughout my illness. Most of the time, they blamed and shamed me for it, or he went so far as to think I was pretending for attention. So there needs to be greater awareness in the world of the voice, the reality of it. And I hope I facilitate that by my openness and the depth I go into it in the book. I also feel the Lord leading me to a greater understanding myself of inner healing. So many people, such as myself, need inner healing of their emotional and spiritual wounds, even their memories. We have an arm of our church all about healing and renewal. In recent months, I found myself the recipient of inner healing. With a wonderful group of prayer ministers, I've experienced a pretty amazing healing of all wounds. I think it's kind of important to note here that though God stilled the voice of the eating disorder, and that remarkable and miraculous encounter I had with him, he didn't take away all the wounds that were created from the trauma I've experienced. There's one wound in particular that I struggle with to this day mightily, and that wound is the one that says I am unlovable. It's always been my deepest wound. It's been with me since I was a small child. It's probably the wound that created the eating disorder. So I have been working with a specific group of prayer ministers, and much like an onion, we're peeling it away in layers. I actually think, like as I say, I think everything in our life we have a purpose. It's, there's a purpose for it, mm-hmm. and I think, yeah, and I think it's in bearing this wound still that my next step is opening up, because I have experienced the inner healing with these prayer ministers, and so now. I want to become a prayer minister. I want to take the training to become a prayer minister so that I can help others find that space where their spirits are unbound by these old wounds. So, um, yeah, I think God's grace and his love and his spirit just works in such amazing, amazing ways. Um, But, you know, as I look back over all those years, it's just so surreal it's, it's as surreal as it is awesome to see how God has taken such a mess of a life mm-hmm. and turned it into a powerful message of his love, his mercy, and his grace. So I really hope anyone listening tonight that is greatly hurting will find hope in my story. Hope that God is always with you. Even when he's silent, even when you think he's abandoned you, he hasn't. And hope that he can make something good and wonderful wonderful from your life, no matter what that life looks like in this moment. He really does have a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29.11 really hits home for me today. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's his promise to each one of us. We can each count on that. And and you're right. Um, but 
you went first off talking about and going through talking about your your past and and your depression and uh, all that other stuff the unlovable yeah. part talking about it yeah. is healing in 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 first part yeah. and, and as god took you through i mean first off i just think it's amazing that you know you hear a lot of kids that they have um imaginary friends yep who have you ever heard that made jesus their imaginary friend i right. mean i thought that was amazing and really in no. in reality it wasn't it was there right all the time in reality it was there in reality that's exactly right i didn't you know i, I when when i stop and i think about that that just gives me chills yeah, yeah. really but he's he's been with me through every step of this every yeah. single step of this and as you say that you want him to use you and everything else, it brings me back to that same verse. It's a God Stories radio verse. Um, it's Second uh, Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. Amen to that, Mikey. Yes. Amen to that. And then that's, that's exactly it. That, that you said it right there. Well, Belinda, we, um, we have heard just an amazing glimpse of, of your testimony. And uh, we here at God Stores Radio, we are uh, king of the shameless plug. So why don't you go ahead and plug the book <laughs> you've been talking about? The book and your, your whole testimony, book, website, wherever they can get it, however they can get a hold okay. of you. If, you know, they just... You know, plug okay. away. Plug away. Uh, all right. Well, you can go to my website, which is BelindaRose.com. Um, and there you'll find all sorts of info about the book, my book trailer. You'll find my blog. I write a blog every week. Um, you can purchase the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, just about anywhere. I think it'll be available um, this Saturday. Saturday, yes. officially on Saturday, the 11th. Yeah. Um, for his Facebook, um, I'm what what I call my Facebook fan page is Illustrated Devotions, and you can go there and um, find the daily prayers. You can converse with me back and forth there. Um, I have a great group of people there. We're from all walks and all faiths. You know, we just love the Lord. Doesn't matter what denomination you are, we just love the Lord. Amen to that. And that's, Amen to that. You know, and that's really what brings us together is our love for the Lord. And we pray together, and um, I try to um, give daily encouragement and inspiration. And uh, yeah, that's, that's those probably are the two best places to find me. So, and that's what Father wants you to do. That's why he. Uh, that's right. Why he saved you with that uh, baby crying and the one knocking at the door. That's and, right. Because he had that plan I, I for think, you. I think that's right. I think that's right. I, it's, <laughs> it's not because he saved me just for me. I mean, you know. No. He saved me for a bigger purpose, a much bigger purpose. There was something more I had to do. Amen. And I know that now. Amen to that. And you're talking to two of us that were uh, right there. Right there with you. Yeah. So. All right. Well, BelindaRose.com. Is that right? 
MelindaRose.com? Yes, it is. Yeah, okay. it's www.MelindaRose.com. The name of the book is Little Girl Crying. Little Girl my Crying. Lifelong str- yeah, my lifelong struggle with anorexia nervosa and the prayer that saved my life. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a title. Really? I think so. I think that yeah. just the title is a catcher. Yeah. Yeah. Baby, yeah, you got well, anything over you. there before we uh, we wrap this thing up? No, it's a it's a really, really interesting book um, for those of you thinking about getting it. Um, I know when I started reading it, I really did have a hard time putting it down. I think, you know, a lot of it can resonate with um, the story of probably quite a lot of women out mm-hmm. there, you know. Um, so definitely a reader, guys. And as she was telling her story, I mean, there was a, a number of things that was within her story that was also in mine as well. So I gathered that. Uh-huh. It was. I so, caught a few things. Yes. So yeah. um I know where she's been. Yep. I think we to all a certain got a extent, piece of that yeah. one. Yeah. I so, agree. Well that's the interesting thing about this book. I mean, yeah, I had an eating disorder, but this book isn't just about an eating disorder. No. It isn't just an eating disorder memoir. You can replace the suffering I did with any kind of suffering anyone's doing. I didn't, you know, I, it's, it's, you know, I mean, you can be suffering from any other kind of addiction or any kind of physical illness. It's, it's about great suffering mm-hmm. in general and about how God works in that great suffering to, to lift you back up and, and he's with you. And, you know, um, like I said, like all the forgiveness work that I've done with so many different people that have harmed me in certain ways and how many of us don't have people in our lives that we need to forgive and let go of. Right. Um, I mean, I didn't have uh, the eating disorder, but uh, when you first started out, I had a father that never, ever, ever said that he loved me. Um, yes. I had, uh, I was bullied in school. Um, yeah. I had to uh, go to his uh, grave site and forgive him. Sat in a chair there for yes. about half, three quarters of an hour, just bawling my eyes out, forgiving him. Uh, so I so then say, you know exactly what I mean, oh, yeah. how hard that is to forgive. Yeah, Absolutely. because you, you, yeah, I couldn't have done that without the help of the Lord leading me. Nope, none that, of us can. That no. just wouldn't have been possible. Because yeah. no, I, I know my older brother has never forgiven him and it's crushed him. He's destroyed his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, know, I got off the was, airplane where yeah. I was going, where he was buried and... And I was taken right there. So, I mean, I didn't even ask to. It was, I was just taken right to his grave site. So, I had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, thanks again, uh, Belinda, for coming on and sharing uh, just a glimpse of, of your testimony and, and uh, the things that you've conquered and been through. And, and we just hope that... Uh, Folks will go out and uh, visit your website, melindarose.com, and, mm-hmm. and they'll go to Amazon and get the book, Little Girl Crying. Um, my wife is certainly enjoying it, and we're going to pass it around. Yes, oh, we thank are. You. And, thank uh, you. And we just appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us and uh, to encourage somebody. It's uh, been our only agenda. That's uh, right. Since we got started. so. And Jesus loves you. Amen. Well, hang on the well, line was... with us, Belinda, so we can uh, <laughs> say goodbye to you. But uh, Okay. That about uh, wraps it up for session 169. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. God bless. Everybody falls sometimes. Gotta find the strength to rise from the ashes and make a new beginning. Anyone can feel the ache. 
think it's more than you can take But you're stronger, stronger than you know Don't you give up now The sun will soon be shining You gotta face the clouds To find the silver Sometimes you will have the strength to rise